Good morning, church. Please, uh, let's continue in worship by turning in our Bibles to the book of Ephesians, uh, chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be right at the beginning, first couple verses of Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. I want to echo uh, what was said uh, in announcements about Church on the Farm. Super excited about that. That's next week, okay? Everyone say, next week. Everyone say, next week. Don't come here next week, okay? You'll be the only ones. I think there's always somebody that uh, doesn't get the memo. We try our absolute very best. It's on the website. We're going to send you a text and then probably another text, an email. We are going to spam you all over to remind you. But uh, don't come here next week. We're going to be going to uh, the McCorkle's farm. And uh, it's, uh, I think, our third year doing this. Is that right? Third year. Uh, always a blast. Uh, have service and then have lunch afterwards and all sorts of things. Uh, slip and slide is always a big hit, especially with the kids, although some grown-ups uh, get involved. Is, uh, is Bill Farley in here this morning? Hey, they're not here today. He, uh, last, uh, last year, they'd been coming to our church for, I don't know, like two weeks, and then Church on the Farm was one of their first, first times here, and I just remember this guy that I didn't really know, just like, he went down the thing probably 30 times, his beard's all full of suds, like, I don't know this guy, but I like that guy, so anyways, so challenge to more grown-ups uh, to, to, to do the slip and slide, I'll, I, as a tradition, go down it every year, and uh, but anyways, it's more than just a slip and slide, it's about um, just time of fellowship as a church family, so um, yeah, so just want to really encourage you to come and be a part of that. And like uh, Bill said, um, invite a neighbor, invite a friend, a coworker. It's just a great opportunity uh, for people to um, to get to know our church, what, what our church is all about. But more importantly, uh, to get to know Jesus and who Jesus is all about. And so super excited about that. And just one note about that that Shane told me that they're doing some uh, road work. Uh, the road is closed like a mile and a half north of their house, uh, but there's barricades all over the place, so uh, go around the barricades and you will be able to make it to their house. Um, so just press on when you see the barricade go around. Some of you are like, I was born for this moment, like yes. Like, um, but, uh, so just, uh, but don't worry, the road is not closed to get to their house. Uh, it's just closed a mile and a half north of their house. Also, uh, like Pastor David said, thank you, Pastor David, for showing that video of my embarrassing moment last week. Uh, so you guys missed it. I had uh, written something on the board, and I was going to reveal it, like you saw in the video, by flipping the thing around and didn't think that I should have written it, and then flipped it, and then flipped it back because it was upside down. And so in honor of that, we're having upside down service, which the original idea was we do everything literally backwards from what we normally do. So we were going to do song, and then I was going to come up and preach, and then we were going to do three songs, and then uh, call to worship, and then, uh, what do I, anyways, what do we do after? And then we're going to do announcements and greeting, and then a, a final song at the end. Uh, but we couldn't figure out what to do, and then the poor kids, I mean, imagine those kids would have had to sit through a whole sermon. Can you even fathom those, the oh, kind of suffering that would have been for them? So, uh, but the reason, we're, there's a reason we're doing upside down service this morning and greeting at the end, uh, which is that we, uh, Lord willing, uh, unless I scare them away with this sermon, which might happen, but we are uh, welcoming in 10 new members uh, to our church this morning. And so uh, we thought it might be cool. So I'm going to kind of preach about uh, membership, uh, but more than that, what the church is called to, how we're called to 
interact with one another and, uh, and how we're called to live with one another. And so uh, that's what we're doing. And so we're going to do our greeting time at the end. So we're doing sermon, and then we're going to have them come up front. And we're going to vote in our new members, and then we are going to greet them at the end of our time uh, this morning. And so that's why we're doing greeting at the end. So anyways, that's where we're going this morning. Uh, look with me. Uh, we're going to be, like I said, Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, I'm going to read verses 1 to 6, um, really will be in verses 1 to 3, but I'm going to read verses 1 to 6. So look there with me, I'm going to read it, and then we'll pray. It's the Apostle Paul writing, he says this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, you are the one God, uh, and Father of all, you are over all and through all and in all. And you are the one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. And uh, our, our brains uh, can't even begin to uh, wrap our minds around that and what that means. Um, but you do reveal yourself to us in your word. And so we just praise you. We thank you for your word, God. Um, Thank you that we all have the incredible privilege of any time we want to open up your word and see what it says uh, to us, and that's amazing, God, and uh, we confess, we, we take that so much for granted, Lord, and, um, and so forgive us for that, uh, but just help us this morning uh, to desire it, to desire what you want for us and what you're going to tell us through these words about our church. Uh, God, you know the name of Rock Prairie Church, and you know um, everything about us, and you love us, and you want us to be a healthy church that loves one another and glorifies you. So help us, God, with that, and help us, uh, forgive us for the many, many ways that we've fallen short. Um, but I pray uh, that through our time in this passage this morning, you would just help us with that. And for the 10 new members, Lord willing, uh, God, that are going to be uh, voted in today, I just pray that as they become a part of this body, um, that, um, that they would be loved and welcomed in and cared for in all the things uh, that we're called to do in this passage. So help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, 11 years ago, in June... I made two of the biggest commitments of my life. I got married to my beautiful wife, Emily, and I became a Costco member. <laughs> and I don't take either lightly. It's a big deal. Uh, we, uh, I used to be super cheap. I think I'm getting better at this. But So we, Emily and I, when we were first married, we were both uh, working in Upland at Taylor University, and we were going to church down at College Park Church in Indianapolis. And uh, so the timing of the service, by the time it was over, we were hungry for lunch. We, uh, we couldn't wait to get home to eat, um, and, but we also uh, 
well, at least according to me, <laughs> couldn't, didn't, couldn't afford to just be going out to eat every Sunday. And so we compromised, and we would visit the legendary Costco food court and get a $1.50 hot dog and a drink. You can't beat that deal. A dollar fifty. and these are good, these are big quarter pound beef, all beef hot dogs. And so uh, what more could you want? My, my wife was just, you know, amazed at, I'm sure, her new husband and uh, the way he took care of her. And so we'd go, and if we were still hungry, we'd maybe get some samples. And on very special occasions, very special occasions, we might splurge and get the two ninety nine slice of pizza. But uh, that was only like if you really, um, that we were really celebrating something big. But... Uh, yeah, so we, uh, somebody had given us a Costco membership as a wedding present, and so we would go and take full advantage of it, but then you'd also go and you'd spend all this money on things you don't need, and I can't remember if I've talked about it before, but we bought our first trip, like right after we got married, our first trip to Costco, we got a thing of crushed red pepper that's about this big, and uh, we still have it, and it's, we've used it down about this much, and so every year we're like calculating our, and it's a, it's a real tight race. What's going to last longer, our marriage or this thing of crushed red pepper? Because if we can make it like 60 years, we might get to the end of it by the time, but uh, it might be bad by then. I don't know, but we're still going strong with our 11-year-old crushed red pepper. And anyways, all that to say, it was kind of silly for us to be uh, Costco members. Um, with, we didn't need those massive quantities of things, but it did feel pretty good to, you know, you walk in, when you're a member of something, right, you walk into the, to the store and you like flash them your card and they're like, come on through. And you're like, that's right. You, you know, like this, is, I'm a member here. And, um, and a Costco membership, here, where are you going with this, Pastor Mike? I'm sure it's always a question. Costco membership is very different than um, church membership. Uh, as it should be. But the way that our culture thinks about membership, just in general, whether it's Costco or if you're a member of a country club or something or Amazon Prime member, whatever it is, a member of anything, we think about it like in a very transactional way, don't we? Like, what's the cost for membership? And then what do I get out of it? Like, what are the benefits? And if the benefits, I think, are worth the cost, then I'll pay the membership fee and I'll get the things that I get for being a member. And, um, the problem is that that kind of thinking kind of seeps into our minds sometimes when we think about church membership. And sometimes like, well, why would I be a church member? Like, I already, I already kind of pay the cost, and I already get the benefits, so what's the point of, of being a church member, member anyway? And so when we think about it transactionally like that, we're not thinking biblically about uh, what the Bible says about Membership. To become a church member is to join yourself to the body of Christ, which means that we're bound together in a unique and special way. So it's, it's not about like the benefits that you get. It's not a club. It's a, it's a body. And so to become a church member is a really big deal because you are joining yourself to a body, and, uh, which means that we are bound to each other in a very different way than any other membership that we think of. Imagine like you're like driving late at night and, and you get stranded, your, your car breaks down, it's midnight, and you get stranded, it's like, I know what I'll do. I'll call a Costco member because we're both members of Costco, so they have to like come and help me, right? Like that's ridiculous. Um, but you, what you can do is call a member of your church, right? And they should come and help you because we're, we're bound together in a 
different way. It's not about here's what I give and here's what I get. Um, that is what being a church member is all about. And so the, the rest of our time this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about that covenant. Uh, and more importantly, we're going to talk about how we're called to relate to one another. This passage talks about walking worthy of the calling to which that you've been called. And so we're going to look at this passage in Ephesians and talk about what it looks like for us as a church to walk worthy of the calling that we've been given. How do we relate to each other as members of this body? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. And uh, then, Lord willing, like I said, we're going to welcome in 10 new members uh, to our body. So uh, look with me again, Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verses 1 to 3. Look there with me. This is this, I therefore, okay, stop right there. Let's not get too carried away. We don't want to get too, let's, don't bite off too much, all right? We've got to stop right there. Whenever we see a therefore, we want to talk about it and see what, what is the meaning of it. And so this is a big one. This is a really, there's little therefores and big therefores in Scripture. And this is a big one because it's actually marking the second half of the book of Ephesians. So this is like the very, so the first half has just come to an end. And now we're picking up this morning in the second half of the book of Ephesians. It's really made up of two very distinct halves, which in our Bibles are marked. Mark, excuse me, is chapters 1 to 3 and chapters 4 to 6. Chapters 1 to 3 are all about the gospel. It's all about what Christ has done, and it's uh, beautiful. I mean, Ephesians uh, uh, is just an incredible book and um, so encouraging, especially these first three chapters. Chapter 1 talks about even before the foundation of the world, even before anything was made, you were chosen to receive the inheritance of Christ. And you say, well, why me? Why would God chose me? choose me? And uh, Ephesians chapter 2 uh, kind of maybe bursts your bubble a little bit, but it has nothing to do with who you are or what you've done. You can't earn it, chapter 2 says. It says, for by grace... You have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. It is not a result of works so that no one may boast. I don't know this morning if there's anyone in here uh, new to this whole church thing or this whole Christianity thing. But maybe you look around and you're like, man, I just know. I, uh, I think all these people are living better lives than me. And I don't know how God could possibly accept me. And that's... Uh, that is exactly <laughs> where you need to be to even begin to understand what God has done for you. This has nothing to do with your works. It has nothing to do with giving you any sort of reason to boast of I was chosen before the foundation of the world because God knows that I am awesome. No. This has everything to do with the incredible mercy of God and responding to what God has done in faith. It's his grace that comes to you that you respond to in faith, and that is your salvation. And then chapter 3, he just prays, and we just read it in our uh, call to worship. It's just this like beautiful prayer for, his, for the people that he's writing to to get it. 
He says he's praying that they may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Isn't that beautiful? To know something that surpasses knowledge. How can you know something that surpasses knowledge? It's like this, this it is so big, and it, 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 it's just like language is just failing him, him in this moment. It's a poem that he's writing to them. Say, so may you understand just how much Jesus loves you, and he loves you more than you can know, so know it. And this is the gospel. Before the foundation of the world, you were chosen in him to respond in faith because of his great mercy and his great love for you. And I mean, if that doesn't fire you up this morning, I don't know. I don't know what else to give you. Like, that's all I got. He loves you. And this is a beautiful thing. And that, so that's chapters one to three are all about the gospel and then with all of that as context, Paul says, I therefore, by the way, as a prisoner for the Lord, I'm in prison as a result of all of this, and yet here I am encouraging you, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And so if we're going to walk worthy, how do we do that? Like, this is not the beginning of the letter, right? This is the second half. How do we walk worthy? The first thing we need to do is get that whole therefore part right of chapters 1 to 3 and be rooted in the gospel. Be rooted in the gospel. This is so crucial for us to understand, church. Like, this is, this is it. This is all of it right here. What we do, the way we live our lives, needs to be rooted in who we are in Christ. We say that again. What we do needs to be rooted in who we are. We see this every time Paul writes a letter, every single time, no matter what's going on in the church that he's writing to, Paul's letters always begin first with a reminder of who they are in Christ and what he has done for them in the gospel. And then he tells them what they should do as a response. Even the letter to the Corinthian church, which they were messed up in the Corinthian church. There was a, a, one of the members was literally sleeping with his stepmom at the time. And like messed up stuff's going on. And Paul, if it's me writing that letter, I'm like right off the bat dealing with that situation. But not Paul. He begins by reminding them of the gospel. Sometimes we, we think that Christianity is just like start living right. And um, that's not where Christianity begins. This is what Paul's saying. He's saying, you need to start believing right. And the reason this is so important is because it's just so easy to get wrong. There's some people that teach that the only thing that matters is just what you do, like the works that you do and how you live. And you just think of this like a classic legalistic judgmental church where you walk in, you feel like you, can, you can't confess any sin or any struggle because there's just everyone's going to judge you because, oh, we don't do that. We don't struggle with those things here. Oh, by heavens, no, right? And uh, that's not the gospel. 
That's not biblical at all. But the problem is then some people have gone the other way and essentially teach that how you live doesn't matter at all. Like, come as you are and stay that way. You see, and that's not right either. It's come as you are, know Jesus, and then allow him to change your heart. What Paul is saying here is, if you're in Christ, be that way. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling that you've already received. Live your life in such a way that you understand what Jesus has done for you, and then you allow it to change your actions. He says it this way in Colossians 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, what should you do? Read it. Read the second half. If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. If you've been saved by Jesus, live like him. And so a church that walks worthy, like we're just not going to get it right ever if we're not first rooted and grounded in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The way to being like Jesus is first comprehending the astounding breadth and length and height and depth of his love for you. And then when you encounter that love, you allow it to change your heart through the power of the Holy Spirit that is working inside of you. And at Rock Prairie, we call this being gospel-centered. Gospel-centered. We want to be a gospel-centered church in all that we do, which means that we're not just offering life advice for people who are struggling to find their way, right? We're not telling unsaved people, like, here's three tips from the Bible that might make your life easier. No, we're preaching something much more difficult, but way better. We're preaching a total submission of all that you have and all that you are to the beautiful and radical love of Jesus. And you know what? It won't necessarily make your life easier, says Paul, the prisoner for Christ Jesus. Think Paul would have been in prison if it wasn't for Jesus? No. Paul was living an awesome life before Jesus came in and messed it all up, wasn't he? It's not going to make your life easier necessarily, but it will make your life better and it will give you meaning and purpose and a hope for eternity that one day Jesus is going to come back and make all things new and restore all things. Like with just what Pastor David was talking about at the very beginning, we have a hope. We've been saved. We still sin, but we can see a day like, oh, one day I'm not going to sin anymore. And that's because of Jesus. Praise the Lord for that. But we cannot live as the church is called to live in first, unless we're first rooted and grounded in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. This is, this is kind of who we are at, at this church. And this is what we are all about. And um, praise God for the gospel. And um, now... Now that Paul has laid that foundation, he's getting into some things that we need to do then as a response. And uh, it's not easy. (laughs) So that was kind of the end of the feel-good section. Uh, This is the part where we really are running the risk of maybe scaring these 10 people away. Uh, They might not want to be a part of this, but I think you do. It's worth it. So we're going to talk about these things. What does it look like? Verse 2, what does it look like to be a church that walks worthy? The first thing that uh, you need to do is put others 
before self. A church that walks worthy is constantly thinking about how to put other people before themselves. Verse 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. And uh, these are the character traits that Paul says that we need to, to have. So even then, even though he's, he's, uh, started, he's finished the section on what God has done for them in the gospel, and now this is how you need to be as a response, he's not even giving them like specific instructions yet. Like the first thing is like, these are character things, right? This is, this is who you are. And we've actually seen these first two show up in the New Testament. Look at it again, with all humility and gentleness. And that word that's translated as humble is the same word that can be also translated as lowly. So trivia question, this is an easier one. Who in the New Testament described himself as being gentle and lowly? If you don't know it, you just guess what's always the right Sunday school answer. Jesus, that's right. Jesus said, I am gentle and lowly in heart. What does that mean, that Jesus is gentle and lowly? Well, I've talked a lot about my favorite book, uh, gentle, it's called Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland, and we give them out as gifts to uh, any new people in our church, and if uh, you want to grab one, feel free to grab one at Guest Central, but this is what he says, uh, Dane Ortland, the author, says about Jesus being gentle and lowly. He says, Jesus is not trigger happy, not harsh, not, not harsh, reactionary, easily exasperated, He is the most understanding person in the universe. The posture most natural to him is not a pointed finger, but open arms. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. And we think about that's who Jesus is. And boy, do we not, do we struggle to think about Jesus as the exact opposite of these things, right? But this is who Jesus is. And this is great. And then you think, wait a second. Oh man, but now I've got to be like that. (laughs) I've got to not be harsh or reactionary or easily exasperated and, uh, and uh, not point fingers uh, when people have hurt me, but open my arms to them. This is how we're supposed to treat each other. We're supposed to put others' needs before our own, to think of them first, to treat them lovingly and kindly and with a soft and gentle hand. He says this, uh, Paul does in Philippians chapter 2, do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. And that's hard to do, isn't it? I mean, if we really think about how we live our daily lives, like this is not an easy thing to do, but this is uh, only half of what Paul says we're supposed to do. He says we're supposed to be patient and bear with one another in love. Do you know what bearing with one another means? It means putting up with everyone, even the difficult people. We don't have any at our church, but there might be some eventually that come, and if they do, we need to bear with them and be patient in love. And uh, new members, that's what you're signing up for. And um, just be aware You are committing yourselves to the whole body, and parts of the body are going to drive you crazy sometimes. 
But that's what this is. It's a, it's a commitment. You see, there's a reason two people get married. They're like dressed up, right? The most you get beautiful bride in the beautiful dress and the handsome husband in the tuxedo and everyone's looking their best. And because and, uh, uh, as much as you're trying to think about the, the commitment that's to come, um, it's, uh, it's kind of an idealized version of what marriage is going to be isn't it? Like you're not thinking about the times when that person isn't going to look so nice or maybe some of the smells that are going to be coming out of that person uh, that's standing right across from you, right? Like, uh, you're, but you're committing to each other no matter what. And church membership is like kind of the same thing. As a Christian, you aren't bound to care for the needs of every other Christian all over the world. Now, we want to certainly serve and love others when we have opportunity, but we're not bound to each other in the same kind of relationship as you are when you join a local church, and that's why the local church is so important, is because it actually gives you a ground to work these things out and gives you real people to love and bear with and be patient and be gentle and kind and humble towards When you join a local church, you're saying, this is the body. These are the people that I'm committing to do these things to. And I'm going to commit to being humble when I'm tempted to boast and be gentle when I'm frustrated and patient when I don't get my way. And I'm going to love people even when they drive me nuts. And that's church membership. And it's uh, really difficult and really awesome. Because as hard as it is for you to live up to those standards, as other people, towards other people, how amazing is it if we really are committing to these things that the other people are committing to those things for you? And um, so we think about, like, this is what a church body is supposed to be. And uh, that's, what, that's what we're going to do. And this is, these are the things we need to seek after as a church. This is what Paul says. Sometimes I don't know. Sometimes I feel like, the, the world's worst football coach. Like, all right, church, let's go out there. Let's be gentle with one another, right? And humble. And if, if someone's not pulling their weight, guess what? We're going to bear with them anyway. Who's with me, right? Like, this is not like, these are, these are hard things. And it's uh, not necessarily things that's like, yeah, let's, yeah, gentleness. Awesome. But um, Jesus... Is gentle and humble. And what is a church except for people who are striving to be just like Jesus? And so world's worst football coach or not, that's why I'm not a football coach. Uh, I'm a pastor. And uh, these are the things that we're going to strive for as a church is to be gentle and humble and patient and long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, even when it's difficult. And when we do these things, that's going to lead right into this third set of things, uh, what makes a third mark of a church that walks worthy, which is a, a church that fights for unity, that fights for unity. It's verse three, eager, I love this, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And um, yeah, well, there's so much that can be said about unity. There's a little bit of an irony of talking about unity uh, 
as for standing here. Our church, I don't know if you know this, our church is like technical name from our history. We are Rock Prairie Separate Baptist Church. And uh, I don't, I've done some Wikipedia reading. I've kind of tried to study a little bit of what that means in the history, but um, it's just kind of a funny name to me for a church that we strive for unity, um, but separate uh, Baptist Church. And um, it's just kind of, I think, a a microcosm of, there are, uh, it was one time I was uh, in Iowa at the dentist and I was sitting in the waiting room and I was opening up their, uh, their catalog and they had like a church catalog of, of churches in the area and there were like 20 different kinds of Baptist churches in just that like community right there. Not, not 20 different Baptist churches, 20 different kinds of Baptist churches. This is not just a Baptist problem either. I've Googled how many just like Protestant denominations are there and there's like 64,000 all over the world is what I found. And basically, all that to say, we as Christians um, certainly are very good at, at finding the things that keep us um, separate from one another, aren't we? And some of these are just, it's because um, the Bible uh, can be hard to understand at times. And uh, there are very big theological issues at, um, at the core of some of these divisions. So it wouldn't say, oh, it's all just kumbaya and it's nothing. What I'm saying is, fighting for unity is actually really hard. <laughs> it is not easy to be united. Try it um, in your family. <laughs> How united do you feel? And that's like people who are, like some of those people have your DNA, right? And it's still like we're struggling to fight for unity. So like bring it back a little bit to now um, your church. And there's a lot of different kinds of people in your church. And um, you think about then just the kingdom of God. What does it mean for us to be united as a kingdom of God? Why is it so important for us to be united? And it's simply because what Paul is saying here at the end of these verses is that God himself is united. And so as difficult as it is, that's what I love how he phrases this. He says, um, we need to be eager to maintain unity of the Spirit, like eager for it, like, oh, I can't wait to just stay unified. And we are, again, not wired this way as people, as human beings. Like, we love to talk about other people and point out their differences and point out what makes them wrong <laughs> and us right. And um, very rarely have I been in a conversation with a group of people who are just, like, so excited to talk about what makes us united, <laughs> right? This is hard to do. And, um, and it was a big problem from the very beginning of the church. You can read about the history of the, of the very, very, very beginnings of the church. And like almost the very first story of the church is just disunity everywhere. And what do we do with all these Gentiles who aren't wanting to follow our rules? And, what, and like how do we relate to each other uh, in these things? So like disunity was a problem from the beginning and it continues to be a problem to this day. And so the point being, and we have to just kind of there's so much that can be said, but there's a, the thing I want us to think about this morning from this passage when we think about eager to maintain unity is that it doesn't just happen. It doesn't ju you don't just fall into unity. Like it's something that you have to work for. It's something that you have to fight for. And it certainly doesn't mean uh, we don't talk about tough issues. 
Like, oh, we're united because we don't really bring up anything that could ever make us disunited. Like, that's not a real unity. If there's, if there's disunity lurking under the surface that you're just always pressing down, that's not a real unity, is it? So it doesn't mean let's not address difficult problems with one another. And again, if you're, if you're a, a member of a church, like these are the things you're committing to, it means trusting each other and trusting that maybe we're on other sides, but I know you're committed to unity and I know I'm committed to unity. And so together, we're going to work towards this. We're going to enter into this difficult problem or disagreement and we're going to try to figure it out, try to figure it out and trust that on the other side of it, we're not going to reject each other. Because what's more important than getting my way is that we're eager to be unified. Amen? And man, if we can do that, what? Wow. (laughs) Think about it. Think about the kind of culture that we live in. We live in such a culture where people are so afraid of being rejected. Are we not? Anyone relate to this? You'll say the wrong thing to someone or, or be annoying to someone or text someone one too many times or one too few times and they're just going to, oh, I'm just that person, Ugh, right? They're going to reject me. And that's a horrible way to live, <laughs> to feel like you're just walking on eggshells with other people all the time. And so the church is this beautiful body of Christ who have been changed by Jesus, who are now committing in a local capacity. We're here. It's not just this esoteric thing out there. No, it's like we are these people here committing to gathering together and be like, we're going to really try to just be cool with each other <laughs> and, and not just reject each other. And when we're not cool with each other, we're not just going to stuff it down. We're going to work it out. And then we can get back to being unified. And that's so countercultural. And that's why I love the church. It doesn't always happen. Again, uh, new members, uh, we've got some warts, certainly. We've got some growing to do. Uh, I was lying when I said we don't have those difficult people. We have two of them, but you'll, no, no, just kidding. Uh, but we've got some, we've got some. Uh, growing to do, and we're not perfect, but we are growing, and, and that's why uh, it's so important to talk about these things, to work towards these things, to strive towards these things, because when we get it right, it is the most beautiful thing in the world, way better than a, a Costco hot dog, amen? 